Testing, testing, one, two, three. How does the microphone sound to me? All right, we're live and loud. Uh, sorry I had to do that. I haven't been with you guys in two weeks. My goodness. You know, I have developed a love with this audience. I took the week off last week, and I mean, I had anxiety. I wanted to get behind this microphone and record what was on my mind and my heart and my spirit uh, because God was talking to me last week. But I knew, you know what, I need to protect the time off. It's Independence Day week. I need to spend time with family and friends and just take a break to just uh, renew the passion, you know, because if you're always doing what you're passionate about, it will lead to burnout. Yes, it will. But uh, I just, I've got my mind on righteousness. I've got my mind on the kingdom of God. And I've got my mind on Acts 2.38. And not only that, but other passages in the Bible that specifically teach us on who can go and who will not. And I want to talk about the importance of exceeding the righteousness uh, of the scribes and Pharisees. That's right. It's one of the foundational teachings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 and unless you exceed the righteousness of these old Bible characters the scribes and the Pharisees you can't get to heaven so that'll get your attention salvation is not just outlined in Acts 238 oh no friend it's all throughout the Bible that's right so we're going to take a look at this uh, passage because it's going to tell us how to get into heaven it's uh, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 20 through 37. Uh, before I do, I want to tell you sort of where the inspiration of these ideas came from. I have preached and taught about hypocrisy uh, from the pulpit from our local church here in Kansas City, Missouri, as well as other pulpits that I have spoken at. And since in the last several years, even new ideas and content has come to me regarding hypocrisy that Jesus saw, that the apostles saw, that we saw here today. And we'll see how it goes. We may do this for a couple of weeks. I'm not really sure, but definitely this week I want to talk about it. So I was having a conversation with a... Um, the politically correct term would be somebody who is spiritually discouraged, but the truthful, factual term would be backslidden, a backslider. Okay. So we're just going to, you call them spiritually discouraged. I call them backslider. So I was having a delightful conversation over a delicious cup of coffee with a pretty cool backslider. <laughs> he was a cool dude. You know what was interesting? He and I are the same age. He and I grew up in very similar settings. Both of our dads are preachers. We're both PKs. Both of us grew up in great churches. And both of us went to Bible college. Not exactly the same time. I'm a little bit older than him, but I mean, he's just a few clicks younger than me. And so we just ran into each other one day and it was like, whoa, man, I remember you. He's like, yeah, man, I remember you too. Wow, man, good to see you. Yeah, right on. It was just kind of weird seeing each other, and I just took that opportunity to, you know, I didn't say this to him, but it was, you know, it was like it to me that, hey, you know, this is probably a 
uh, divine appointment that you and I met here. So I invited him to go and get some coffee and he agreed to that. So we're sitting there, we're drinking our coffee and I was not planning on bringing up God. I was not planning on bringing up Bible. I was not planning on bringing up church. You know, I just wanted to let my gentleness, my moderation, as the Bible says, be known to all men. You know, I wasn't ready to start saying, dude, you're going to hell, man. You need to repent like now, man. Do you, first of all, he wouldn't have, he would have got up and left and said, forget you. I, I just knew his spirit. So I thought if I could just be chill with him, be cool with him, uh, maybe perhaps it would start a genuine conversation about spiritual things. And boy, did it work. I, I didn't even talk about it. But about 30 minutes into the conversation, he said, so, man, you want to talk about God and church and stuff. <laughs> I put down the cup of coffee and I said, are you serious? He said, yeah, might as well. I said, yeah, let's do it. His first question was, let me ask you something, man. And what was your experience like at Bible college? And I'm like, I, I was confused. Why do we want to start there? But I just answered his question directly. And I said, man, I loved it. God told me to go and I went, man, it changed my life. It was great. He said, well, I'm glad it worked out for you. I didn't have a good experience. And that's really why I'm not, quote unquote, serving the Lord today is because of my experience at Bible college. And I just kind of raised my eyebrow like, what do you mean? And he said, I just saw way too much hypocrisy there. And he said, after seeing all of these guys and girls who were supposedly called to the ministry and future pastors and teachers and Christian school educators and this and that, after seeing the way they lived in the dorms and outside of the church and outside of the class, after seeing that, I said, I don't want to have any part of it. And so I said, elaborate. And of course, what do you, th what do you think? Drugs, sex, porn, that stuff. And so I didn't want to correct him. I didn't want to rebuke him, but I just could feel it. I could just see it in the Holy Ghost. He saw maybe about four or five people uh, do a little hypocrisy. This idea that everybody at Bible college is going to the club and getting drunk is such a lie. Okay. You know, th those ratios, it's so much smaller. You know, you look at one out of 12 backslid and uh, went nuts on Jesus. That was Judas. And I guess those same ratios sort of apply basically in just about every youth group and in any class in Bible college. You're going to have what? Maybe like 10%, 7%, 6% uh, just go way off the deep end. And yes, be a total hypocrite. But one is enough. One is really enough to get a bad taste in your mouth for the church. That's all Satan really needs to deceive you is just one. So he went down the line. I mean, it was like <laughs> mask was off. He was telling me everything he saw and and uh, knocking heads and taking names, if that's the the colloquialism. Anyway, as I just my draw was my my jaw was dropping as I heard some of the things that he saw, and I was like, dear God, man, what happened? You know, some of the the things that he saw, and and in his own local church and stuff. And you know, I said I said to him, you know what, man. I guess I didn't look as closely at people's lives as you did, but I've seen hypocrisy too. I said, I've seen things that'll make your skin crawl. And I started telling him some of the things that I saw, horrible things, uh, not only just crazy lives that people lived as sins against themselves, but I could tell you people that sinned against other Christians. 
Okay, let me repeat that. There are sins against yourself. Uh, porn is a sin against yourself. Fornicating is a sin against yourself and with that person. But when you start seeing deep offenses happen to people, uh, people stealing from other people, people taking advantage uh, advantages of other people uh, with, with money, with promiscuity, with all of those things, uh, yeah, people even going to jail, <laughs> prison over the things they've done that were supposedly apostolic. Yeah, you see some hypocrisy. And I said, I've seen it too. I said, you want to know what the difference is between you and I, man? He said, what? I said, you saw hypocrisy and it made you want to be less spiritual than the hypocrites. Whereas I saw their hypocrisy and I said, I want to be more spiritual than them. And I said, I get this from Matthew chapter five and verse 20. Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you can't get into the kingdom of heaven. I saw that scripture years ago and I got the revelation years ago and I knew it. If Jesus saw hypocrites, then I would see it. If the apostles saw the two faced, the whole act of the, the scribes and the Pharisees, if they saw it back then, I would see it now. And that's just the reality of it. Satan himself in heaven back in the day was a hypocrite and God kicked him out of heaven. The Bible later says that you find out that the hypocrites will be sent to hell where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. And I just made up my mind, you know what? I can't stand hypocrites as much as the next guy or girl. And if I don't like them here and now, I definitely don't want to spend all eternity with them in hell. And I, I seriously like screamed hell like that at him and it got his attention. And he and I small talked a little bit more and I gave him something to think about. And I'm sure he's still thinking about it. Uh, he moved away. I don't know where he is. I've lost contact with him. I texted him a few times, nothing. But you know what? I gave him something to think about. And I just said, dude, all of them backslidden Bible college kids that were hypocrites, I'm glad you don't like them. But unless you do what's better than them, you're not going to make it into heaven, bro. So, you know, you can continue to find your own way, but it's not going to work, man. If I can make it, you can make it. And I don't know. Maybe I wasn't sent to help him come back to God, but maybe God sent me to be a witness of his evil, to be a witness of his wickedness, to be a witness of him rejecting the words of Christ. That's right. You're here to listen. I'm here to talk. This is Justin C. Gleason. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more, with new monologues uploaded on Fridays at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. It, it used to be that podcasts were uploaded very quickly. Anytime I set them to be downloaded, it was like 3 p.m., bam, there it is. But for whatever reason, Apple Podcast is slow lately. Uh, be patient with your podcast platform. It's no joke that companies out there nowadays are short-staffed. People are not working. They'd rather uh, be sitting at home, watching porn, smoking pot, drinking whiskey, growing a beard, collecting a government check, than getting out there and working a, a nine to five. So be patient with Apple Podcast, with uh, your local Quickie Mart, your local place that you uh, get your coffee, your sandwiches, whatever. They're, everybody's understaffed. Be cool, be kind. 
be courteous. Yeah. And then uh, how about these phenomenal guests we've been having on the podcast? I think I have figured out a new format with guests. See, it used to be I uh, last year when I started in 2020, I had a lot of my preacher friends come on, guys that I talked to all the time, and I just you know hit record, and we recorded our conversations for over an hour with some of them. And we may do that again in the future, but I've, I've done it a few ways. I've been trying to incorporate people that have a personality in the media or an author or somebody with, with a message out there uh, for the world to see, whether it's on social media, podcast, or whatever. I've been trying to incorporate those guests into these episodes, and I've done it to where they are actually a part of my monologue, and then I've done it when it's separate, and just putting out a um, survey uh, with a few of my loyal listeners. I think people like the idea of keeping it separate, so you have the monologues by me, and then you have the guest episodes with a, a phenomenal guest, and they've been coming out um, on Sundays, and I've really, really enjoyed having these guests on here. I love, uh, hearing people talk. You know, I talk enough. It's nice to just hear uh, other people talk. And I, and I think everybody appreciates that, you know, there's nothing worse than, you know, these podcast hosts that bring on a guest and let's say they talk for 50 minutes. You know, it's a 50 minute long episode and the host talks for 40 minutes and the guest talks 10 minutes. Uh, that has been going on. You got to stop that. You want to have a successful uh, dialogue episode. The host, uh, the less you say, the better. So, yeah, we've had uh, Darren Waddles, Melinda Poitras. Uh, we've also had Jake and Orton. We've had Sustaining Life. We've had Danny Torres, Rachel, Aline Carpenter, many other uh, phenomenal guests. Go back and listen to them and be sure to check out the things that they have to offer. So uh, with uh, the help of the Lord and hopefully a good a good recording, internet connection, all of that. You, know, you never know how these things will go sometimes. Technology gets a mind of its own. Uh, this Sunday we'll have a special guest on the podcast, Sister Caitlin Hale. Uh, she has phenomenal things to say from her blog, Pray or Breathe, Pray, Repeat. repeat. Breathe, Pray, Repeat. So be watching for that. So yes, yes, we, we're we going to go with that format from now on. Episodes uploaded on Fridays, unless it's a holiday week, and just occasionally here and there sporadically on Sunday afternoons or evenings. So there's a lot going on here in this podcast. So welcome back, and especially to all of our newer listeners, I ask you please consider clicking the follow button and become a loyal listener of this episode and past and future episodes. Give us a great review and rating and share a link with your friends. So do you enjoy this podcast? I'm glad you do. Is it a blessing to you? I know it is. Based on the feedback, this podcast is uh, something so special to so many, and it has added so much value in helping uh, people to overcome the darkness of this world by simply turning on the light. And that is the light of God, the light of the Bible, and the light of the church. So this is our 70th episode, 70 episodes of Pentecostal Podcasting Excellence. And with, uh, with that, you know what? I just want to give you an opportunity to support the work that goes into producing these episodes. And you can do so conveniently with Cash App. My cash tag is cash sign Justin C. Gleason. That is cash sign Justin C. 
Gleason. Thank you so much for giving the episode. Links are down in the show notes below conveniently for you to click on. Podcasting is the future. Jesus said in his first ideas that he presented to his followers, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, the Lord says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason, except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery again you have heard that it was said to those of old you shall not swear falsely but shall perform your oaths to the lord but i say to you do not swear at all neither by heaven for it is god's throne nor by the earth for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one of your hair hairs black or white. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no, for whatsoever is more than these is from the evil one. That's Matthew chapter 5. The scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus breaks it down. How you exceed in the, how you exceed them, and it is done by the condition of your heart. And he picks four major things here: murder, adultery, unlawful divorce, and swearing falsely. And Jesus says you want to go beyond the uh, righteousness of the Pharisees. You cannot have murder in your heart, adultery, divorce, or swearing falsely inside of your soul. In other words, saying the scribes and the Pharisees, they live with that stuff. Murder is always in their heart. Adultery is always in their eyes. Divorce is always uh, in their intentions. And they swear falsely. They never can make a promise. 
So Jesus says that's how they live. That's what's inside of them. I know they look good on the outside. They look spiritual and religious on the outside, but on, but, but on the inside, oh, they want to kill you. <laughs> they they, they want to have an adulterous affair with every other man's wife. They're constantly got their eyes on other women walking around and want to, and, and want to take uh, from a man, take his wife from him uh, through unlawful divorce. And uh, they'll swear falsely to, uh, to get their way. That's how the scribes and Pharisees survived. Uh, they killed a lot of people, but covered it up to make it look legal. Uh, they divorced a lot and had adulterous affairs a lot and a lot of remarriage, and it all looked legal. And then, of course, they swore falsely uh, by heaven and by Jerusalem. They did all these things to make their business dealings very shrewd, very dishonest, served a lot of mammon. And that's how they got rich. And Jesus says, you want to make it into heaven, you got to be greater than that. And uh, to you backslider who backslid because all the hypocrisy in your youth group, all the hypocrisy uh, maybe in your pastor's family, in your Bible college, or uh, whatever you've been seeing on social media, whatever. You know what? All of those people, yeah, they do have murder in their spirits. They do have adultery in their spirits. They do swear falsely. That's right. But if you want to make it into heaven and not go where they're going to go, and that is hell, you've got to become greater than them. So yeah, hypocrisy is rooted in these scribes and Pharisees. These uh, two movements, really they're one, but they're presented as two separate uh, groups in the Bible. So we'll look at it as two separate groups. They formed during the intertestamental period of the Bible, and that is between Malachi and the book of Matthew, a part of Bible history that I'm very, very fond of. And uh, it formed in Galilee, in uh, up in the northern parts of Israel, that's really where, where Jesus is from. That's really where the, the scribes and Pharisees were. That's where these two groups were predominantly. Some were down in the south in Judah, but they basically formed as a way to keep covenant with God through the Jewish religion and practice. The scribes were experts, experts, doctors in Old Covenant or Old Testament law. And these scribes were authorized to write legal documents in the Jewish community. Uh, Documents for like a marriage or divorce, uh, business dealings, etc., etc. And you always had at least one scribe per village uh, to write these documents for the people. Then you had the Pharisees. They were a Jewish religious organization and extremely observant of Jewish law, traditions, mysticism, and they were usually landowners and business people. Made a lot of money. According to um, the uh, Talmud, ancient Jewish writings, I have a copy of it. I've never read it cover to cover, but I'm very good at hitting control F and finding things uh, and references. And I just simply hit control F, typed in Pharisees, and bam, a ton of very interesting things came up. Back then, it was known that there were seven major types of Pharisees, according to the Talmud. The first being was the God-loving Pharisee. This was the Pharisee. It was really good. They were good guys. They did all their doings. Everything they did was uh, because they loved God. They loved Israel. 
and they love their neighbors. And you see uh, several of these type of Pharisees in the Bible. They were, they were good. They loved God. They loved their neighbors. Like Nicodemus, he was a God-loving Pharisee. Uh, what about Joseph of Arimathea? Yeah, the beg for the body of Jesus. He was a Pharisee. He was God-loving. You look at Gamaliel in the book of Acts. I think he loved and feared God. That's why he wouldn't put his hands on the apostles. And he really uh, steered away a lot of the crazed lunatic Pharisees from doing more damage than they were already doing. These were good guys, God-loving Pharisees. The the last six are uh, very destructive. You have the shoulder Pharisee. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. That's what they called them uh, back then, the shoulder Pharisee. These are the guys that wore their good deeds on their shoulders uh, for all to see. Everything, everything they did, everything that they did was never about God or about the people. It was all about to look good. They liked to look good. So they were very impulsive and very dogmatic in word or deed. So, yeah, hopefully that doesn't remind you of anybody in, in your church. <laughs> they're always bragging about all the good things that they're doing. Yeah, to be seen of men. You then have the wait a little while Pharisee. These are the guys that would wait to see how a situation played out before acting on any manner. Before they made any judgment, they would just sit and wait and not say a thing. They wouldn't speak good or bad. They would just wait. So these guys, they agreed with the typical Pharisee theology uh, they really love the prestige of being a leader and, you know, having being called out to and greeted in the marketplace by the whole town, all that. But they would fall short in a lot of the Pharisee practice because they avoided confrontation. They, they didn't like confrontation. They just they they, they liked the uh, the title and they liked to be seen. That's it. They would avoid uh, hard conversations. That's really what they were. Fourthly, the blind, bruised, and bleeding Pharisee. It's probably my favorite one. These are the guys who were terrified of becoming unclean. Terrified of being unclean, like in the Old Testament, how to become unclean. Uh, for instance, by accidentally touching a dead animal. You know, you, you got a dead rodent in the road, road and they step on it and pull, they're unclean for like seven days. Uh, what about bumping into a woman who might be on her menstrual cycle? That would make a man unclean, and he'd have to perform a long ritual before he could become clean. Okay, so uh, or you know, or anybody else who was ritually unclean, uh, somebody else who may have touched something dead or, or had an issue out of their body and they hadn't washed, and they bump into them all of a sudden, bam! The uncleanliness of the unclean would make a clean uh, Pharisee <laughs> unclean. So, and of course, they would uh, they would never want to go anywhere near or touch a sinner, like a tag collector, right? So because they were always looking where they were going to not touch the unclean or the sinner, they would end up being blind, bruised, or bleeding because they'd uh, run into a wall. You know, a, a, a lady, it was her time of the month, and those ladies, they would obviously make that obvious uh, by what they would say and what they would do. Don't have time to get in all that, but nowadays it's all secretive, you know, right? But back then, a, a woman had to show that she was unclean. So if the Pharisee was walking through the marketplace and he saw a woman, you know, 30, 40, 50 yards away that was unclean, he would, he would walk to the side and sometimes have to jump out of, out of the way from being touched by the unclean and would ram himself into a wall or or put out his eye with a, with a stick sticking out somewhere or, or cut himself. So they were always blind, bruised, and, and bleeding because they were so afraid of becoming unclean. So yeah, these were the guys that, that forgot a lot about what was more important in the law of God 
and of course Jesus confronted that the cleanliness and cleanliness all all of that the cup and what's inside of a man things like that uh, you had the bent over Pharisee these were the guys that walked around with their eyes down to the ground to avoid visual temptations uh, which which is a good thing I suppose but they really did this not to you know, keep themselves from sin but rather it was very it was it was pride it was very prideful in making an open show of their avoidance of temptation you know always looking away very very holier than thou you know you then have the ever reckoning pharisee these were the guys that were uh religious by always keeping score you know, always kept a record of what they did and what others did. It was it was very competitive. You know, who knew more Bible verses than the other guy, right? So they were trying to make sure that their good deeds always outweighed their bad deeds. Uh, their belief was truly in works, really based in works. You know, the more good they did, uh, the better off. So it didn't matter how many bad things they did. If they had twice as many good things that they did, they were okay in the eyes of God. All right. <laughs> Sounds a lot like some Pentecostal people I know, but we ain't going to go there because I'm just here to have a good time and I'm not going to get too excited. I know I already screamed hell at you all and we'll, we'll leave it at that. And then lastly, the God fearing Pharisee. <laughs> These were the Pharisees that held a great reverence and respect for God out of fear of punishment. They made sure to follow all of God's commandments in order to avoid curses from God and ultimately hellfire. I agree with number seven. I do. The God-fearing Pharisee. You know, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. I, I believe in the fear of the Lord. You got to have it. You got to have the love of God and the fear of the Lord. It takes both of them. So you have all of these things, these seven Pharisees. You know what they're missing? Where is their heart? You, know, you read all of these, the God-loving Pharisee, the shoulder Pharisee, the wait a little while, the blind, the bruised, the bleeding, the bent over Pharisee, the ever-reckoning Pharisee, and the God-fearing Pharisee. Where, where is the heart? Where is it the internal aspect of, of the scribe and Pharisee practice? Well, it ain't there. It was all external. It was all how you are seen and perceived by others. None of it was done really to develop a relationship with Jesus or with God. And Jesus came, the Son of God, God manifested in the flesh to restore that which was lost. And some things that were lost were, what was the law really all about? And it was really to put God inside of your mind, your heart, your soul, your strength. That's what Jesus came to teach and to preach. And he didn't come to destroy the law, he came to fulfill it. And that's why he said, you see these scribes and Pharisees over there, these guys that are walking around trying not to touch somebody who is unclean and they're smacking into walls or falling over cliffs trying to avoid a woman on her menstrual cycle. I, I want you to be better than that, okay? You see these bent over Pharisees always staring at the ground lest they would look upon a beautiful woman in lust. I want you to be better than that. And how you do that is by having righteousness in your soul. It's having righteousness in your heart. It's having righteousness in your thoughts. It's completely keeping the good things of the Lord inside of you and having them on the inside. They're just going to naturally, you can't avoid it. You can't help it. They're going to reflect on the outside. And Jesus picks four major things to teach his disciples about. And that is love. You need to love a person. 
You can't hate somebody on the inside because that hate in the inside, it's going to develop into murder. And Jesus said, if you have daydreams about murdering somebody, you've already murdered them. You've got to keep your heart pure and clean because that's really what God looks at. And that is uh, the heart. That is the heart. And if you've lived long enough, you've been offended. Offenses must come, Jesus said. We've all been sinned against. We all have somebody that has stuck it to us. You better believe it. And, you know, some of us think that the only way we can ever have peace is if that person is taken out. We have, you know, dreams of cleaning our mag and lying in wait somewhere. Kabam, you know, put an end to it and run away and get away with it. You can't think like that and please God. And let me tell you this. God sees everything. God is just and God does always, always does the right thing. And he has promised us that if you will let him, he will take vengeance. He will take vengeance upon your adversary. That's right. And I'd rather have God take vengeance than the courts of men or anything that I could accomplish myself. Let me tell you this. If you have a pure heart, a clean heart, God will bless you. And there is no greater revenge than living a happy and blessed life. So yeah, it is not worth it to have bitterness in your heart, to have murder in your heart. Because let me tell you, bitterness will do more damage to your life than a big storm ever could. That's right. Murder inside of the heart, which is rooted in bitterness, will damage your, will damage your soul greater than any storm ever could. That's why Jesus said, don't murder anybody in your heart. It's not good for you. Move on. Let God handle it. And believe me, he will. Uh, adultery. He said, don't have adultery in your heart. You can't go around lusting after what uh, somebody who has spoken for. Can't do it. That's a sin. Now, the law of Moses, you did that, you were put to death immediately. I mean, no questions asked. Just bam. Well, you know what the Pharisees were doing? And number one, they were getting away with murder. And usually they would cover it up. They would somehow blackmail into somebody maybe breaking the Sabbath. Ah, remind you of anything? That was a big one. Or somebody who didn't eat kosher or you know, somebody who may have had connections with a, a witch or something. And they would set a lot of people up uh, to be stoned. They did this. The murder, the adultery, and the unlawful divorce, and the swearing falsely. They all worked together for the Pharisees' favor. They knew how to manipulate the law. Uh, they did it. Uh, and you know where a lot of this comes from? Think about David. David, he, he lusts after Bathsheba. Then he sets up her husband Uriah to the front lines and he is killed. And that thing displeases the Lord. But it was all done as a cover-up. On the outside, it looks like normal war. It looks like something that would normally happen, you know, just a casualty. And then, you know, he takes Uriah's wife because, you know, he has no brother or heir uh, to, to raise up seed. So David, you know, is the kind king, the kind general. And he tries to look good on the outside. And on the outside, it looked wonderful. It looks so nice. But you can't fool God. And you can't fool the prophet of God. And the prophet came and said, you are the man. Well, the thing that David did with Bathsheba, Uriah, the, all, of, all of that stuff, the Pharisees were doing that. The very same thing. They would set up a guy. They, they saw a guy. They lusted after his wife. And they would set him up to be stoned. Set him up to be killed according to the law and take her to be uh, their wife. That's unlawful divorce. Okay. And Jesus came to put a stop to that type of corruption. The Pharisees were masters at manipulating the law so that on the outside, they looked lawful. But on the inside and behind the scenes, it was horrible. You take, for instance, the woman caught in adultery. 
Do you know how hard it is to catch somebody in adultery? I mean, nowadays, even with cameras and stuff and private detectives, it is not an easy thing to sniff out. Back then, the Pharisees were masters at setting somebody up. And so this woman caught in adultery, uh, it was a setup. And I know it was a setup because where's the guy? If she's caught in the act, why didn't they drag the guy out and throw him in front of Jesus? Uh, (laughs) Well, the whole thing was a setup. And that guy got to walk free. That's right. That's what they did. That's what they did. And Jesus said, I've come uh, to really preach true righteousness to you. You've got to go farther and beyond than what the scribes and the Pharisees are doing. You have got to love your brother and your sister. You have got to keep sexual immorality and promiscuity and perversion and all of those things out of your spirit and unlawful divorce, which happened a lot back then. So if there's unlawful divorce, there is lawful divorce. That's right. There is lawful divorce. I believe in that. Some preachers don't, but I do. I certainly do. And Jesus said it. Any man who divorces his wife for any reason except uh, sexual immorality, fornication, all of that commits adultery. So there's a reason right there. And there's other reasons. And we've talked about that in past episodes. We might uh, go back on that subject again in the future because divorce is a part of our culture. And the Bible says a lot about it. So we'll do that again sometime. And then, of course, just swearing falsely. These are people that overpromise and underdeliver. Uh, these are the people <laughs> that are all talk and no action. That's right. You know, the, the guy, the, the, the move in from somewhere else in the church and acts like he was the, the worship leader, the choir director at the church, just so he can finagle his way up on the platform. And then you give him the solo and you realize, man, this dude can't sing worth a flip. And he only worships when he's got the solo. Probably because they were swearing falsely. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, this happens in church. People manipulate uh, laws and culture and statutes of the Pentecostal church just to get ahead. And we're sitting back there wondering, how in the world did this person get to be where they are? How in the world did they get their picture on the uh, flyer to be the keynote speaker? How are they leading worship? We can see their hypocrisy. We know they don't pray. We know they don't give. We know they don't fast. We know they don't do all of the disciplines that Jesus taught. They're just like the, the scribe and the Pharisee. Oh, they love God. And oh, yeah, they fear God, all of that. But they, they really got all their good deeds on their shoulder. You know, they're getting invites because they have this big homeless ministry, right? That's right. They get these invites because they're perceived to be so conservative. They are so awesome at preaching against that Instagram and preaching against that Facebook and preaching against that TV. And you know, they've made themselves look so spiritual and so powerful. And you know good and well they're sneaking around at their social media and watching uh, TV here and there. You know, they may not have a TV in their house, but, oh, they got one in the, in the camper out back. <laughs> That's right. Them preachers don't got TV in their house, but they got a big old honking satellite in the camper. Mm. Oh, yeah. They're calling themselves bishop and they're on their sixth or seventh wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, that stuff will make your toes curl in the shoe. That's right. It's hypocrisy. It's spirituality that is nothing but an act. It's just done to be seen. And true followers of the Lord are looking at that wondering, where am I in the middle of all of this? And Jesus said, your reward is not here on this earth. Your reward is in heaven. 
And if you want to make it into heaven, you're going to have to exceed all of that. And the way you do it is to have righteousness in your heart. Don't let your righteousness be something that you exhibit for other people to see. That's right. You let it be between you and God. That's how you exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, because their righteousness was to be seen of men. The righteousness of the true disciple is done to be seen of God, for he is the one that looks at the heart. So ask yourself right now, have you been wanting to kill people in your spirit lately? You need to repent. Uh, Have you been wanting to commit adultery or fornication with somebody in your spirit? Uh, If you have, you are no better than the scribe and Pharisees. You need to get that out of your heart. Uh, Are you married to somebody, lawfully married to somebody, but you got your mind on somebody else? and you'd like to divorce who you're with now to go be with somebody else, uh, you are not exceeding the Pharisees. You are definitely not exceeding the scribes. You need to repent and uh, keep your vow. Remember the wife of your youth, as the Bible said. Have you been over-promising and under-deliver? Have you been not keeping your word? Have you not been keeping your agreements? Uh, You are no better than than a hypocrite. No better. You're not exceeding them. I know you love Acts 2.38. I know you love John chapter 3 and verse 5. But do you love Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20? I'm Justin C. Gleason. It's time for us to go beyond the scribes and the Pharisees. Thank you for, from time to time, some of you like to contact me through email or social media, direct messages. Uh, things like that. And from time to time, I'll, I'll see a listener face to face. I love hearing back from you all. I don't really solicit a whole lot of questions because I, found, and I did that in the beginning. I thought it's really what people wanted. Then I, I quickly learned that no podcast listeners, us podheads, we we're really passive. You know, podcasting is it's in our background while we're, while we're active. We really don't, it's, it's just nice to not have to talk back. It's nice just to listen, you know, somebody that uh, thinks like we do. And uh, that's what I try to do. But I, I try to listen to what other people are talking about to, to form my content. And hypocrisy, like in this episode, is a big one. I hear it a lot uh, with people. A lot, of, a lot of people see hypocrisy in the church and they're done with it. But hypocrisy was never meant for us to look in and to get discouraged with the church. Oh no, it was meant, it was put there by God for us to see it and to want to get right with the Lord. It was put there for us to see it and to want to uh, be more spiritual and better than those hypocrites. That's what it's for. It's really an object lesson uh, is what it is. So if you have any stories about hypocrisy that you'd like to share, uh, please contact me at justincgleason at gmail.com justincgleason at gmail.com and I would love to hear your story or, or send me a direct message or a Facebook message or a Twitter message or something like that. I'd love to hear from you. Haley Raypon uh, left us a comment on Facebook. She said, awesome podcast. You actually answered a lot of my questions that I've been having. Me and my husband started listening to your podcast not too long ago, and we have binged listened to all your episodes. I can't wait until Fridays for the new ones. Please keep them coming. Thank you, Sister Haley. Those are kind words. Actually really motivating to me. Robert H. sent me a private message to justincgleason at gmail.com, and he said, Good afternoon, Brother Justin. 
I just listened to your episode, Demoted by Self-Promotion on your podcast. Man, that's some good stuff right there. I appreciate the fact that you don't dance around the subjects you talk about. (laughs) You briefly mentioned the subject of altar working. I would love to hear your thoughts on that subject in the future or at some point if possible. Being a former metalhead (laughs) before Christ, of course, I love your intro music. I wouldn't change a thing. Appreciate you much. Have a good day. <laughs> oh man, yeah, you're. You know what? You're right, brother Robert. I don't dance around. You know, we give it to you pretty direct here in podcast because there, there's really no fear of making anybody un- uncomfortable. You know, in a public setting in a church, you can't say it in a way that that's just not appropriate for a public setting. So we can we can talk about it here. Uh, and with no problem because it's just you and me listening, right? Some people listen with their couples, with their spouse or with their kids. That, that's fine. But most of the time it's a solidarity enjoyment, right? So we can tell it plain. It's, it's just a good place to do it, right? So, yeah. And uh, we're glad you're a former metalhead. Uh, some of us are still closet metalheads. And, you know, the music stuff... Um, and by the way, I got another uh, message just today from a listener who was interested in me sending him a playlist of my podcast. Um, I I can't think of the name uh, right now, but uh, you're listening to this. You probably know who I'm talking about. You sent me a DM. Um, I, I don't have, I've never created a playlist in my life to tell you the tr- truth. I've, I've always just listened to uh, streaming radio, streaming songs. You know, I don't create my own playlist. I just pick a genre, uh, usually, and it's a uh, Christian positive alternative. That's <laughs> usually, it's either preaching or a uh, Christian alternative. That's what I listen to and, and praise and worship here and there. Yeah, but so I don't really have a playlist, but if you're interested in my songs that I use, the no no copyright cr- uh, creators, um, I forget what they call it, a creative common license, no copyright, all that, you can scroll down the show notes and I, I list the name of the bands and the uh, track titles and producers, all of that. If that's really what you want, that'll help you out. But yeah, so uh, back to Robert, yeah, being a formal metalhead, I'm glad that this music uh, speaks to you. You know, I a lot of people ask me about the rock. I've never had anybody say, "Oh my God, Justin, you got to change that music." But on the contrary, everybody says, "Dude, that is some good stuff, man. It mixes mixes with your voice really well, and I like it." Why, but why why do you use it? Well, uh, think about this: rock is motivating. When you're going to work out, what do you listen to? Do you listen to country? Do you listen to jazz? Do you listen to praise and worship music? Do you listen to orchestra music? Not not usually. You listen to something that's motivating. Rock, out of all the genres, is the most motivating of musics. And this podcast is about God. It's about Bible and it's about church. But it's you're not in church. You're on a podcast. And I don't want my podcast to feel like church. I want it to feel motivating. I want I want to you know, speak to the the felt needs and the uh, felt disciplines that we need to be having as apostolics. So yeah, we use. Uh, some headbanging music. That's right. I want your head to start moving, you know, when you start listening to the episode, right? <laughs> That's what all that is about. So, and, and that, and it's blown me away. I've, I've had like preachers, like who I thought were very conservative and no foolishness have said, dude, that music is rocking, man. It sounds great. It sounds like, I mean, some real radio stuff. And I've had, uh, 
like sweet Pentecostal ladies come up to me, you know, that, are, that know the, the hymnal and are organ players. And they've come up and they said, brother Gleason, that music is so wonderful. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. The rock got to have the rock. And if it's a problem to you, you look at the other apostolic podcasters, they're all opening up with like R and B sound and stuff, stuff that you would hear in a club. Okay. They, they do the stuff that's in the club. I do the stuff that's in the mosh pit. So, uh, I, I don't see much of a difference, okay? All right, so we'll leave it at that. If my music offends you, uh, stop, play it back again, and let it offend you some more, okay? All right, well, Brother Robert, you talked about altar work. Yeah, we need to do a, a, an extended series on that, but just to give you an, uh, an answer now, altar work is different right now because of COVID, so just depending on your church and where you're at, uh, a lot of some churches still aren't doing the laying on of hands. We've been keeping social distance. So I would invite you to cast your shadow over somebody. I've been doing it and it works. I prayed people through the Holy Ghost with the shadow of my hand on their head. I have seen miracles of healing happen with just the shadow, just the shadow. Peter did that. So if you can't physically get to him, get to where some light is and cast your shadow. Either that or just speak the word of faith. Do that in the altar call and it works. Uh, altar call is really, I, I learned to work the altars before I began preaching. I learned how to do it in, in my teens and my 20s and I saw powerful things happen. That's where the prophecy came uh, in praying for people. Just the Holy Ghost would just work with me, join with me. Uh, I saw angels for the first time in the altar call. Uh, the major four signs that God gave us on the Mount of Ascension, and that is uh, baptism in his name, uh, speaking in new tongues, uh, healing the sick and casting out of devils, those four great signs. That's all altar call stuff. So get involved. When the altar call comes and you call yourself a minister, don't be sitting down. Don't be sitting in the back. You know, you know, don't don't go back out there to the ladies' bake sale and, get, and be the first dibs on the cookies. Oh no, you want you want to get noticed by God. You want the favor of your pastor. You want a real ministry. Start by working that altar. Don't just sit there with your hands in your pockets looking around. You know. Yeah, that's right. Ooh, I'm talking to somebody right now. You want ministry. You want the title. You want the pulpit. You want a solo. Start working the altar and watch what happens. That's all. It's that simple. Well, it's July. Let's talk about what happened here on the JCGP in the month of June 2021. Uh, coming in across the world. You know, I, I do have listeners across the world. Not a whole lot. Uh, but let me tell you this. the it's, it's in the double digits. No nation, no other country, no foreign country for out, of, out of North America is in the three digits yet for monthly listenership. But it's in uh, the, the double digits. And let me tell you who came in number one, Nicaragua. Shout out to Bishop Nix and the great church in Nicaragua. That's who I think is listening down there. Thank you so much, Nicaragua. We love you. Back up to North America, up into Canada. We love Canada. Coming in at number two, British Columbia. Back at number one, Ontario. Love you, Canada. Uh, the last I heard you guys were still in lockdown. We're praying for you. We're going to get through this. Keep on turning on the phones and having, having online church. I watch a lot of your churches. I listen to your media. 
keep it up. We love you. To the United States of America. Man, 4th of July was great around here in Kansas City. Man, there were fireworks everywhere. People had their smokers out. People had their grills out. People had their fish fryers out. I mean, we just enjoyed America and celebrated it big the way it's meant to be. You know what? You're cool. Uh, if, if you like the flag, if you respect the flag, all this kneeling down stuff, it's just ridiculous. Uh, so disrespectful. It's, it's just a mockery to the, to the civilized free world. And I just don't think it belongs in the church at all. God uses this country, so don't uh, be disrespecting what God uses. It's as simple as that. The United States of America coming in at number 10 in listenership of the JCGP, number 10, the state of New York. New York. New York's been around for 400 years. They know everything. I love New York. I haven't been to New York in a long time. Great food up there, man. Poof. And I love I love the accent, especially like like the real slum accent. <laughs> like, hey, who is this guy? Who is this guy? <laughs> they say that up there. Who is this guy? What are you doing? Who are you? <laughs> I, I love that. Number nine, the state of Maryland out there on the East Coast. Please, somebody eat a cup of clam chowder for me and enjoy a nice lobster dinner. Oh, that sounds good. Number eight, Wisconsin. Great cheese up there and great beer and cream soda in various places. Number seven, Michigan. Please go somewhere where there is uh, a Buddy's Pizza or a, a Black Rock Steakhouse and have something for me. Ohio. What do they got over there? Donato's Pizza? Yeah. Have some of that for me. Down in Florida. You know what? Go to the beach for me, man. Wake up and go to the east side and watch the sunrise for me. After you enjoy that, drive all the way over on the west side and enjoy the sunset for me, please. Down into Texas where everything is huge and big. Uh... They got great Mexican food in Texas. They got better Mexican food in Texas than Mexico. Yeah, enjoy some of that for me. Number three, California. Stuff your face with an In-N-Out burger for Justin. Number two, Illinois. Enjoy some Chicago-style pizza. Yes. And then at number one, the state of Missouri. (laughs) Yeah, the show-me state. I love this state. I love it, I love it, I love it. God's hand is upon our district. Big things are happening. So thank you so much across the world, Canada and the United States of America for tuning in. You and I are God's spirit signal. I love you. Thanks for listening. Be righteous. Let it start in your heart and watch what God will do on the outside and the surrounding areas. I love you. Peace be with you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.